through our first service and right here. Morning. Man, it's been just an awesome time together this morning that we've already had through our first service and right here in the second. Uh, I tell you what, uh, we had uh, just an amazing last couple weeks. Pastor Chris was sharing with you with Easter and uh, with last week with our 25th anniversary uh, celebration. And then this weekend, our students were involved in something called Love God Serve, uh, where we combined, uh, there were seven, seven different student ministries, four denominations uh, that met here beginning Friday night right here in this room. We had the chairs out of here. We had 250 students and leaders right here packed in this room, and it was awesome. It was an amazing time. Uh, we had yesterday was a long day as well, uh, you know, excitement and uh, caffeine and all those things. I, I haven't got a whole lot of sleep, uh, so I'm kind of a little less St. Louis voice, a little more Barry White today, uh, but just bear with me on that. So it's a little, little lower, a little deeper. Uh, but um, yeah, just we had such an awesome time together uh, this week in our students, and uh, maybe you've seen some pictures on Facebook and things like that, uh, but it was uh, an opportunity to be able to come together uh, as not seven different student ministries, not four different denominations but to be able to come together as, as one church, uh, as one group, worshiping the one true and living God, Jesus Christ. And it was an awesome time. On Friday night, we had what was called glow worship, uh, where we had glow sticks and we had laser light, finger lights and uh, our band did some awesome, like kind of like dancey worship techno type songs, things like that. Uh, and it was just a, a blast that we had right here in this room. I got a, two pictures uh, that are kind of dark because it was dark in here, but you can kind of see from that's from about right here looking out. Uh, and then there's one more from the back of the room, a little bit panorama, just packed all the way to the back. I mean, it was shoulder to shoulder, uh, just an awesome time together uh, this weekend. So maybe you've seen some of that stuff uh, online. But we had just an incredible time together. And the whole idea of that weekend, or excuse me, of this, this weekend, but of that, that meeting from Friday night to yesterday morning where our students uh, met here and we went and we served at Habitat for Humanity Restore uh, yesterday during the day where we had the opportunity to serve over there where we were collecting uh, things together, organizing stuff that had been brought in. We were cleaning stuff, we were pricing stuff, we were moving stuff and just doing all sorts of stuff there to help out. Uh, Habitat for Humanity. And a restore, if you're not familiar with it, they bring in stuff like Goodwill does, uh, a lot of different, you know, anything from doors to furniture and all sorts of other stuff as well. But the things that are in the store are actually sold to help uh, build, to be able to pay for the houses that Habitat for Humanity does as well. Uh, so we were, had the opportunity to be able to serve, and, and our, our kids just knocked it out of the park. We had like five hours of stuff we were supposed to do. We did it in like three, and it, it was just an awesome time together to be able to do uh, what we did. Uh, while other churches, other groups, that they, they were spread throughout uh, Charleston doing different service projects, all sorts of just different and various things of ways to serve, the ways to love on our community. And then we met back here yesterday afternoon for some inflatables uh, outside, and we had a cookout, and we had like a closing uh, service just to kind of give some testimonies and talk about what happened uh, yesterday. All that being said, those things happened because our, our students became, uh, came together. And the idea of this Love Can series uh, is today I want to talk to you about Love Can Unite. And our students united together, uh, not to proclaim who they are individ as individuals, not to proclaim who we are as a coastal student ministry or coastal community church and for other churches the same way, but they came together to unite together to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ to the city of Charleston. Uh, maybe you, depending on where you were at, maybe some, there was a group in your area saw some neon green t-shirts and uh, had Love God Serve on it. Uh, and it was just an awesome weekend that we had to be able to do that. And uh, our students did, did a great job, did a tremendous job. 
But as we continue this Love Can series, and today we're going to talk about Love Can Unite. How can we bring people together? How can we bring people together to, uh, for, the, for the greater cause of God's kingdom? And how can we uh, do that and be involved in that? And a passage of scripture I want to share with you, uh, which is actually not on uh, your sheet, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and just share it with you here. And it's Mark 12, 28 to 31, and it says this. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. That last part is the part I want us to be able to hit on today. To love your neighbor as yourself. It's one of these commandments that God uh, has given us that Jesus says this is an important one. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but then to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, the first question we need to ask is, who is our neighbor? Because so many of us would say, well, my neighbor, you know, yeah, I've got, man, I've got a great relationship with, you know, Bob next door and, and Jim over here on the left side. We've got a great relationship. You know, we help each other out. We'll watch each other's houses if we go out of town or whatever it is, things like that. But it's something so much more uh, and something so much bigger and greater than just loving your physical neighbor. It's about loving your, your community. It's about loving other people. But there's four blanks that you have on your sheet that I want to give you just uh, right now. The first one is this. Who is your neighbor? Loved ones. Loved ones. Then neighbors. Loved ones, our family and our friends, those that we are close and that we do life with, our, our, our fellowship of believers, our, our, our church, those are our loved ones. Our neighbors, those that we live around in our community, our entire community, not just the ones to the left and the ones to the right, but maybe our entire subdivision or maybe entire street or maybe uh, just the entire community of Charleston, but also your enemies. That one's a, a little bit tougher, all right? It's a little bit tougher to do to love someone who's persecuting you, who's hating you, uh, who's assaulting you verbally or physically, whatever it may be. It's tough to love someone like that, but then also to love everyone else. It's like, well, that's kind of broad term, Yeah. We're to love, love the world, we're to love everyone in the world, because God loves everyone in the world. We're asked to do the same thing. You see, the Old Testament Hebrew word for neighbor means friend, lover, or neighbor. It kind of encompasses these things. Whenever we read scripture and we see neighbor, it's not just literally, physically, who's, who's next door, who's right there in, on our cul-de-sac. But it's to love our loved ones, our neighbors enemies, and everyone else. You see, in Matthew 5, Jesus says to love your enemies, but in Luke 10, uh, there's also the story of the Good Samaritan where Jesus basically includes everyone else. You know the story of the Good Samaritan where there's a man that is, is, has his is stripped down, his clothes are removed, uh, he is beaten, he is uh, broke down, everything he has is taken from him, he's just laid in the street for dead. There's a couple people that walk up, and as they walk up, in, in individuals, they see him, and what do they do? They walk around, they kind of go to the other side of the street and walk past they, go, they continue on around. They don't, they don't want, try to find out what's going wrong. How can they can help? They don't try to help. Why don't they try to help? Is it because they're afraid of somebody looking around? Man, what are people going to think if they see me talking to this guy? What are people going to think if they see me with him? Or, you know, I, it's not really convenient. I'm on my way to a meeting. I'm on my way to, uh, you know, lunch with somebody. I'm on my way to this. But then there's the one guy, the good Samaritan that comes up. He has compassion and he has love for that individual that's laid out there in the street. 
So he goes down and he tends to him and he, and he helps him to his feet and, and, and gives him some, some clothes to wear and he brings him in uh, to be able to get medical attention, to be able to, to be helped. And he pays for it. We don't know what this guy was doing, where he was going, what, what, what his ultimate goal was, but he stopped to help this person out. You see, that should be like us. That, you know, loving other people should be something that it may not be convenient all the time, but it's a command. It's something that we are to do. So I want to give you this. Why should we love our neighbor? Three different things. The first one is this. Because you love yourself. Because you love yourself. Do you catch the end of that part? It was love your neighbor as yourself. To love your neighbor as yourself. The first part is this. You have to love yourself to love your neighbor in that same way. If you don't love yourself, how can you love your neighbor in a way that you would want to be treated? You see, so many often in, in working with students, but also with adults as well, and we struggle with this one, don't we? We struggle with who we are. We struggle with our, our self-image, our physical appearance. And there's gyms popping up on every block. You know, you got to get fit. you got to get strong. got to do this. We struggle with, with who we are and our skills and our abilities or our lack of skills or talents that we want to have. We struggle with our, our friendship, our, our social circles that we have. We struggle with maybe where we are in a job situation or maybe where, how our family looks to everybody else. And we begin to not love ourselves through these things because we feel like we fall short of what everybody else is doing. We feel like we can't keep up. So we're to love ourselves. And I want to ask you this question. It's, it's how do you, do you treat others how you want to be treated? Do you love other people in the way that you want to be loved? Because you have to love yourself in order to be able to do that. And I'm not talking about prideful, like, I love me some me, and, like, look how good I look, and, like, selfie, and, like, all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, do you love yourself? Let me share this passage of Scripture with you. Psalm 139, 14, it's on your outline. It says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Our students should know this because I share this with them very often because I want them to realize that God fearfully and wonderfully made them. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the person next to you. I want you to say, you're wonderful. Now I want you to look back at them, and I want you to say, I'm wonderful. This is it. That's your moment. This is your moment. Enjoy it. Live it up. I'm wonderful, right? You've all wanted to say it. Now you had the opportunity. But here's the thing. You are. Every one of us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God created us exactly how he wants us to be created. You look, you talk, your shape, what you do, the talents, abilities, the skill set that you have. He knows exactly who you are, what you do, how you do it. The idea of not loving ourselves is to not love God's creation. See, God created us. He created, he created man in his own image. And to not love ourselves is to not love God's creation. And we need to love God's creation. We need to love who we are in Christ to be able to proclaim and to be able to love others in the same way. He created us um, exactly uh, the way we are for a reason, for a specific reason, a specific purpose in life. He has a plan. He has a, a desire for something for us to do. And sometimes it's going to be hard to realize what that is if we don't have that relationship where we love ourselves and ultimately where we love God. 
I shared this, uh, this kind of a similar passage of scripture, similar verses uh, with our students just a couple months ago, talking about kind of the same idea about, they, about loving themselves, who they are, how God created them. And the very next day after I did that, uh, I went to the dentist uh, downtown, uh, the MUSD dental people, whatever, and I went down there. And so I'm like laid out in the, you know, the dental contraption and laid back, you know, in your, no, your most vulnerable moment, you know, at this point. And the lady that's, that's working on me, I'm just going to be honest with you, she's kind of weird. She's kind of <laughs> odd, a little strange. And like, but I was good with that. I was cool with that because here's the thing. Every one of us is weird, right? We all have quirks. We all have odd things that we do or say we have it's just how we are so she's talking and she begins to ask the, you know she the kind of the question that kind of always comes up is oh well, what do you do for a living and so as a pastor pastor chris would would vouch for this and it's like oh i'm a pastor as soon as you say that <laughs> the look on people's face that changes and the thought process the wheel begins to crank of like what have i already said that i should not have said <laughs> and it's kind of funny enjoy it to see the look, to see the reaction. So this lady kind of stops. Okay. Well, I go to church. I'm like, oh, that's great, you know. <laughs> so she begins to share with me about her church a little bit. And she's like, now what, now are you, are you, like, are you the pastor like the preacher? I said, well, actually, I'm the youth pastor. I, you know, help with teen, work with teenagers. And she's like, oh, that's awesome, you know. And so we, she kind of begins to tell me about, you know, their student ministry at their church or whatever. And we get to talking back and forth. And, uh, and she's like, no, how do you, you know, what do you guys do? And I said, well, on, on Wednesday nights, actually, like last night, you know, we meet together, we do worship, we do a game, and, uh, you know, I'll give a message, we, we break up into small groups, that kind of thing, and, uh, and just begin to share, and I said, you know, like right now, we're going through this, talking about love and what, what it is, and, and uh, just begin to share with her just a brief two, three sentence summary about the message the night before, and talking about, you know, working with students and telling them, you know, that you have to love yourself, if you're to love your neighbor as yourself, you have to love yourself to be able to love your neighbor. And I said, you know, we're all, we're all weird. We're all odd. We have weird things going on. We're, but we're made just the way that we were supposed to be made. And I kid you not, as I begin telling this, and, I, and I'm like laid out in this chair, this lady begins to cry. So now I'm start freaking out because I've got like things in my mouth. <laughs> so she begins to cry. And she says, I've been going to church for a long time. She says, I've never really caught that part she's like i've read that verse i've heard that verse she says i've never really caught that part that i need to love myself she says i know i'm a little strange i I know i have the there's things that i do i get you know excited about this or i talk about this or i kind of get off you know attention wise off to something else and she said and i always feel like i don't fit in with people because of that i said well do you realize that you know god created you just like that for a reason maybe it's to connect to a specific person or a specific people group but he made you that way, and that you are God's creation, and that you are to love God's creation. So you to love yourself. Man, she's like crying. She ends up giving me a hug after the thing, and it was kind of, I mean, just like, it was awesome. But I made sure she got done crying and wiped tears before she got back to my mouth, but because I was like, that's kind of weird. So, uh, but it's just an awesome time to be able to share with her that God, God loves you. And God loves you. He, love, he loves us. And he created us, and we are his creation, and we are to love his creation. But not only are we to love ourselves, another reason is because God loves you. Can you believe that he loves you, a sinner? He loves me, a sinner. Man, I mess up all the time, day in and day out. Throughout the day, I am in sin. I'm tempted by things all the time. But you know what? God loves me. He loves you the same way. He loves sinners. Loving others isn't always easy. It's not always convenient. It's not always popular. 
And many of us can sit here and say, it can't be easy to love me if you're God, for God to love me. But man, look, the stuff that's in my life, the stuff that I've done, man, I, I don't even know that he can love me. Let me tell you this. He can love you no matter what you're going through, no matter what sin you're in. And he does. Because he loves you and he cares about you. You're, you are his creation. The idea of Jesus uh, loving other people is that he faced a lot of criticism for who he loved and how he loved those people. And he loved prostitutes and thieves, criminals. He loved those people and he would sit down to eat with them. And there were people on the outside, these religious people. How can he do that? How can he love that individual? Or how can he sit and eat with those people? It's because he loves them. And for us, we need to be able to love in the same way, to love people where they're at and who they are, and to love them into a relationship with Jesus Christ so that they can know him. If we simply say, man, I love them people, and I hope they come to know Jesus, you know, I'll pray for them, but you don't ever actually love or do something about it it's gonna be extremely difficult for maybe them to ever experience that love the idea of being able to actively do something for someone and show love on your outline you have this verse first john four nineteen. it says we love because he meaning jesus first loved us we love others because he first loved us you can check out in 1 John 3, 16, uh, we know that he laid down his life for us. We uh, also see in Romans 5, 8 that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, let me go ahead and kind of rephrase. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. You are still a sinner, even if you have a relationship with Christ. But you know what? Christ died for you and he died for those sins. He didn't just talk about love. He acted on it. He acted and, and actively showed who he was and his love to you by sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live a life that was sinless and perfect to ultimately die on a cross. You see, he, he didn't just love us, but he, he actually demonstrated it. Man, so, so many times today as, as believers, we just sit there and say, like, I love the world and I love people and I love and I want people to come to know Jesus, but I don't want to be the one that tells them. I don't want to be the one that serves them. Do you realize that real love is, is something that's acted out as well? And Jesus didn't just sit there. You know, it wasn't like him and the father were sitting up there and just like, man, I love all them people. Hope they can make it. Good thing he didn't think that. He acted on it. He came down himself and said, I'm going to show you love. And what he did was he went through this perfect, sinless life and then ultimately gets turned on by one friend, his, one of his closest friends, who turns him in and he is charged with crimes that he did not commit. And what they do is they lay him over a whipping post. They begin to beat him and they whip him. His body is crushed, cut, he's bloodied, he's bruised. They put down a, a crown of thorns and they cram it down on his head and he's even bleeding even more. And when all of that is done, the beating, they then hand him a cross to carry up a hill, his own death instrument. He carries it up. They lay it out on the ground. They lay him on top of it, and they nail into his hands and his feet. And as they raise that cross up and they stand it up, in his last breath, he says, it is finished. And he dies. What is finished? The wrath of God is fulfilled at that point. You see, as a sinner in our life, 
the wrath of God for all sinners is that we, we cannot get to God. We cannot attain to be able to be to him or to get to him in heaven on our own. But because Jesus died on the cross, it's fulfilled and gives us the opportunity to place our faith and our trust in Jesus and then ultimately be able to be united with him for all eternity. You see, three days later, it doesn't just end there. Three days later, like we celebrated two weeks ago, he resurrects himself. He defeats death, he overcomes the grave, and he resurrects himself. And because of that, we can be pulled out of the pits of hell and into the gates of heaven. And we should be so excited about that. And if we love other people, wouldn't we want them to join in that? Man, to simply say, I'm going to pray for him, I'm going to pray for him. Pray for him, but then go do something. Go share the gospel with them. Go share your testimony with them. Invite them to church. Drag them to church. Handcuff them. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> you see, we have a love from God. He loves us so much that he sacrificed. He didn't just talk about it and give us, here's all this about how much I love you. But he actually sent his only son, sacrificed his only son to die on the cross for us. People, I want you to understand here tonight, uh, this morning, it's not tonight, it feels like night, this morning, that that pain, that punishment, that death that Jesus went through on the cross is meant for every single one of us when we enter this world. Because we're sinners, we're separated from God, and that is our, what we would have to face as an eternal punishment, an eternal death. But because Jesus died on the cross, we have the opportunity to accept him as Lord and Savior and to be able to not have to face that. But some of us, maybe in this room, have never had a relationship with Christ, we have never placed our faith and trust in him, that pain, punishment, eternal death is still meant for those of you who have never done that. It's still meant for you. Let me tell you, God loves you. And you may know all the Bible verses in the world and all the songs in the world. You may have great church attendance. But if you don't have a relationship with Christ, that's still what you're going to face. Which leads to the third thing. Why should you love your neighbor? Because you love God. We want to obey his commands. We want to respect the model that he set up for us by sending his son Jesus to give us a model of how to live, how to connect with others, how to unite people together, and how to serve other people. Love for Jesus begins in our salvation experience, begins in this time that we accept Christ, that we begin to have a faith in who he is as God in the flesh that died on the cross for us, and we begin to turn our heart over to him. You see, this love increases in abundance, and it increases in, in potency, as we grow closer to him, the more that you study his word, the more that you, you come and you hear you know, Pastor Chris preach and you begin to learn, and the more that you worship, and then ultimately the more that you serve is the more that you will increase in your relationship with God because you love God, God loves you, and then you are to love others, and that's like an extension of God's love. It's the hands and feet of Christ doing some work and showing that love to others. See, I want to make sure we're clear that, uh, on what a couple things that love is not. Love is not tolerance. It's not tolerance. It's not tolerating someone's sin just because you love them, because that's not love. Loving someone is calling them to repentance when they're in the wrong and doing it out of grace, giving them truth and love. You see, it's like if you have a, a child and you love them, and they go to touch the hot stove. You don't just simply say, I love them. I'm just going to let them do what they want to do. What is the, you know, it's the same idea. If you love your friend and they are sinning to where it is going to hurt, to where it is going to bring pain, to maybe if they don't even have a relationship with Christ, it might bring them to an eternal death. 
You're going to call them out on it out of love, but you do it out of grace. You have to fill in what you're taking away from them. See, another thing, love is not, it's not uh, an erotic or a sexual love. It's not a love. It's not just the action of, of, of sex or sexual type things. See, working with students, I always kind of, I, I kind of pick on the guys a little bit usually in this case when we talk about things like this and say, you know, if you, if, for these girls, if, if your boyfriend tells you that he loves you, what he's saying is not that he loves you. He's saying, let's break some commandments. That's what he's saying. He's not saying that he loves you because if you won't break the commandments with him, he's wanting to go, he'll find somebody else that would. And it works the other way. See, love isn't just that action. Love is something that you say, but it's also something that you do. It's caring for someone. It's showing compassion. It's helping those in need and serving one another. It's also not sentimentalism. What I mean by that is, you know how when you watch, uh, you know, your favorite sitcom and there's that moment when there's something, just somebody's done something bad and there's that moment where they, they figure it out and everybody's crying, you're crying, you know, like, and, it, and you're like, oh, it just, you know, touches my heart. That's not the love I'm talking about. That's not love. And another thing, I'm not talking about love that like when you watch uh, a TV and there's an infomercial that pops up about, about kids in, uh, in other countries that, man, they need help and they need, you know, they need people to, you know, to give money towards food and things like that. And I'm not talking about the love. I'm not saying it's not love when you just sit there and say, wow, they need help. I'm going to pray for them. And if you really love and care for those individuals that need help and you want to help, you need to help and serve. You need to actually do something about it. Act it out. To simply just talk about it is meaningless. But you have to talk and act it out. We have this kind of diminished view of love sometimes, I think, now in our, in our culture, where we talk about how we love things all the time. I think Pastor Chris even shared this a couple weeks ago. You know, like, I love baseball, and I love pizza, you know, and all these kinds of things where we just talk about love. You know, when that boyfriend tells their girlfriend that, you know, I love him, what they're really thinking, it's like, almost like kind of equal to, like, I love you like a Krispy Kreme donut, you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> It's not that they love them, they just like them a lot. You see, love is something that is, is, is it's, a, it's an in-between, it's a connection, it's a un, uniting of, of two people, and, and, and it's loving. God loves you and wants to unite with you. We need to love others and then be able to unite with them. I want to close with this verse, 1 John 4, 20 to 21. It says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Did you catch that? How can we sit here and say that we love God who we have not seen and not love our brother who we cannot see or who we can see? And there are people all around us, right here in this room, right here in our community that are in need of love. And we will simply say, I love God, and I love Jesus, and I love what he's doing through me, and I love this. But we don't want to love other people that we can see that are in need right there in front of us. See, one of my favorite parts of this weekend with our students that we did was uh, actually uh, on the way home yesterday. After we had finished our day of serving um, over in Mount Pleasant, uh, we had uh, we had like a hundred sandwiches. Thankful to uh, a group of ladies on Friday that made sandwiches for our students, uh, and we ate about half of those sandwiches. So we had like fifty sandwiches left over. And instead of like you know coming back and throwing them in the trash, on the way back we found some homeless people 
and we gave out sandwiches. And to me, that was my favorite part because to be able to see people that were in need of, uh, of some food and to be able to actually tangibly walk over and say, here's a bag of, of, of a few sandwiches, and we gave them you know, bottles of water. Here's a, a nice cold bottle of water. You can see how grateful and see how thankful they were for those things. And she had to simply say, drive by and say, man, hope that I'll, I'll, I'm going to pray for that guy because I, I, I think he's homeless. I'm going to pray that, that he would get back on his feet. I'm going to pray that he would find food or shelter tonight. Instead of making it something that's difficult, something that's not convenient, something that maybe even is unpopular, maybe him pull over and help. Maybe as you're walking down the street and see him, and maybe to actually help that individual, to serve them, to show them the love of Christ that you've already experienced in your own life. God loves each one of us. And if we love him, we're going to love other people. What I want to encourage you all with this morning um, is that we need to unite as a church, as a community, as a nation, and to be able to serve other people. To love God, but to love others in the same way that we love ourselves. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, uh, as we come to you, Father, just... Uh, I'm so grateful and thankful uh, for who you are and for your word, how it speaks to each one of us in different ways. God, right here in this room this morning, we have a lot of individuals that uh, have a relationship with you. They have placed their faith and trust in you. Father, they're acting it out on a daily basis where they serve others, where they help those that are in need. God, I pray that they are encouraged, that they are motivated to do even more and to continue it on. And Father, for those that are maybe in this room that have a relationship with you, God, but they're simply not acting it out, just talking about it, Father, I pray that they would be convicted to be able to, to change what they're doing, to change the priority, to realize, you know what, it may not always be convenient, it may not always be easy or popular, but it needs to be done. I pray that you would lay that on their heart right now. And God, for people that are in this room that have no relationship with you, they simply have been uh, going through the motions. Maybe they've been coming to church, or maybe they haven't even been going to church, and they've just been relying on themselves, the good deeds that they do, the positive things that they uh, do, the Father, that they would realize that without you, we are nothing. That we can't pull ourselves out of hell and into heaven. That that only happens through your son, Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. God, that when you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, you bridged the gap that we can repent and call on your name, move into a relationship with you, and be brought in to your presence for all eternity. Father, for those people that are in here this morning, Lord, that don't have a relationship with you, God, I pray that they wouldn't want to leave this room this morning without doing so. Father, I pray that they'd know that all they have to do is to call on your name with their whole heart, to repent of the sin that's in their life, commit to following you, allowing you to lead them, allowing you to be not only the savior of their life as you've saved them into heaven, but to be the Lord of their life, that you, that you would guide them, that you would mold them and shape them and make them who you want them to be. Father, I pray that they know that there's a God that created them, that loved them so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to save them. And it's in your son's name that I pray. Amen.